uh, great to see that you're here. Uh, if you haven't met me, I'm Paul, and I get to speak for a few minutes and do some work with you. And uh, one of the reasons I stand here instead of coming down closer is we are online. And so I'm on the edge of the light for me. I get dark on the screen if I go forward. And uh, it's also, you know, well, I put a center line here because I noticed last week I was watching the video and it just saw the shot off my head a lot. Because I tend to look into the faces in front of me. And so we've just tried to adjust that a little bit. Anyway, that's, that's just housekeeping. So welcome here today. We're going to read that scripture again in a moment. And so you guys can get that back to the top again for them. Because we, we want to uh, pay attention to God's word. And in that, we are believing that he's wanting to do some speaking into our hearts, our beings. Because one of the things you, you know, or I've experienced and know, is, is my words are not that powerful. Yes and no, okay depending on the context. But if it's just out of Paul's good thoughts about God and kingdom and church, there's no essential power in it because I thought it and said it. But if it's God's word, now they could indeed be one and the same, but they won't always be one and the same. If it's something that's from his heart, into your heart or my heart and heard from him, even if indeed he's put me in between or someone else, there's a power in that word. It comes into our heart alive with its own capacity to grow. And so it's important we pay attention to hearing from God, not from the preacher even though I get to be, you know, a big, prominent part of what God's body is, part of God, you know, the part of God's body that's filling the space, and no apologies for that. That's just how it is. Uh, but I'm still just part of the body. I'm just another part of the body of Christ. I have no rank over anyone else. Uh, so here we go. That's, that's just setting some scene. And so, so what do you want? as you sit there for this moment. What do you want? Because God's not going to give you something if you don't want it. He might offer it, but he won't give it. You know what I mean? It won't come into our lives and come and do its work in us if we don't want it. Have you decided and considered, actually, I want something from God this morning. I want to know more of who he is and more of his ways and more of how I can be part of his story and how he's, you know, what he's doing in these days. Because if you want it, he's here to give it, to work it in us. And, and so let's go on. I read this verse, and this is not my message, so uh, I'm going to come back to these verses in a moment. I read this verse during the week, and it intrigued me. It's in Ezekiel 33. That's part of the reason it intrigued me. Uh, and I want to say it, and it's in the context of what I've just been saying, so I'm uh, setting, this is, this, I suppose, setting stage, aren't we? Listen to this verse, uh, Ezekiel 33, beginning in verse 30. And, and this is like God himself speaking to Ezekiel, the man who was functioning at his prophet, his mouthpiece, in a time and a day, um, 
you know, a couple of millennium ago, probably close to 2,500 years ago. I haven't checked that out. He says, as for you, son of man, he called Ezekiel son of man. It does correlate to the way God speaks to people. Your people are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses. So he was 33 chapters into here writing a book of how he's speaking to God's people in a time and place. So these people are talking about you as they go through life. And they're saying, come and hear the message that has come from God. He says, my people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouth, mouths speak of love, uh, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. I don't know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, how many people are, I've seen whole congregations worshiping God and saying, I love you, Lord, and then going out and having a fight with somebody over something little. Uh, who's going to go? You know, anyway, their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words and do not put them into practice. And I want to maybe challenge you thinking there, if this was Jesus he's talking about, do we treat him as one who we're fascinated by listening to him? We love the sense of his voice and his words. They're like love songs to us. And in some ways as we listen to him, there's a soothing. We feel better. That was nice. but there's no desire in us. There's no, I want to put into practice the words of Jesus. And you don't put them into practice. It's actually a, a telling off scripture. Well, back to the verses we're reading, and we're reading something that Jesus is speaking to each of us right now. And the way the Bible came to be, and as most of you know, is, is the Bible says it's inspired by God through men. And so when we read what was written in the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 11 to 14, written at a certain time in history by a man whose name is the same as mine, so good, good name, I think I've probably got the same name as him, uh, and, and uh, to a group of Christians living in a city called Rome. But, but I don't tell you it's what Paul said, and I don't tell you it's that. I want to tell you it's what the Holy Spirit spoke. And inspired. And so we don't sit back and analyze this. Mm, I wonder how Paul and the Romans were trying to figure this out. We start with Holy Spirit is speaking and I want to hear. And I want to hear not just in my head, but I want to hear something in my innermost being. Now that's where it gets a bit mysterious for me. Uh, but I've learned that's okay, because it works. <laughs> it's how it works. And actually it's how it works everywhere. I mean, who falls in love in their head? Analyzes this person. They add up. That works. No, something goes on that's a little bit more mysterious. But it's deeply meaningful and powerful. And so you want to hear in your innermost being. And if you want to put it into practice, even if you don't think you can, we'll start finding that the power of God does its work. 
Amen. So let's read those verses again, guys, back to the beginning. Romans 13, uh, verses 11 to 14. This is more urgent. For you know how late the time it is. Time is running out. Wake up! For our salvation is now than when we first believed. The, uh, go back to that slide. If you were to read that in a different version, it would say time twice. It may be. It may say time and hours. You know. The time has come. The hour is here. And he uses two different words. The first word is the word kairos. And the word kairos shows up several times. And it's, it's not about like the second word is simply the time on the clock, the chronology. But a kairos is not talking about the, you know, it's uh, now... 10, 35, and 25 in the morning. It's saying, it is a moment in time that you have an opportunity for something to happen. It's, the mo- it's, it's like where, in some ways, when it's used in the Bible, it's like the moment in time when my world as a natural person in a natural world intersects with the eternal spiritual world of God. And because of that, something of him can come alive in the natural world. And so this morning could be for you a Kairos moment when something of the eternity of God and, and the, you know, the truth and the everything of God comes alive in our natural human body and life in a, in a powerful, meaningful way. Come back, reading from the top. I want us to read right through this time, guys. This is all the more urgent. For you know how late it is. Time is running out. The clock is ticking. Wake up. It just simply means wake up. Uh, For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. I'm going to flick the slides. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Oh, let's read that one. Here we go. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Here we go. I, I called this message, um, oh, that came up before the scripture, didn't it? Uh, it's our responsibility to wake up. And one of the things I'd like you to note is you just think back through those verses. There are things God does and there's things we do. And I found that one of the areas we get um, muddled up in, in being Christian is who's responsible for what. And we've got here some guys, he's talking about you're believers but you're asleep. You've believed in Jesus, but some, for some reason, your faith has gone to sleep. Your spiritual life between you and God has gone to sleep. It, you could say it's died. It's like dead. And it needs to, because, yeah, it needs to wake up again. And one of the reasons that, that Christians go to sleep is we get muddled up about what's our responsibility and what's God's responsibility. And we're not going to go too deep into that, but think about that. In this verse, it's telling us it's our responsibility to wake up. Is that clear, isn't it? 
See, God will shine the light into the room. And it may quite catch our attention, but it's our responsibility to wake up and get up. Have you ever gone to wake somebody up and turn on the light and they've got to get up and go somewhere and they're asleep and you go in and, and uh, turn on the light and shake them and they go, and then you walk out of the room and they're back asleep again. It's our responsibility to stir them in that situation. It's their responsibility to get up. It's God's responsibility to come and stir you up. It's your responsibility to wake up and get up. So I'm hoping God does some stirring up today. I expect he will. I've been asking him to. He said he would, so my prayers go, God, you've said you'd do some things. I want to be part of seeing you do them. What part can I play, God? But I want to see you doing your thing and uh, go on the journey. But we have a responsibility to wake up. He said there's another uh, theme in there that these verses we read, we could be, uh, we could get lost in talking about you know, specific things that talked about. You know, and we could go into quite a bit of depth there, we're not going to bother. But there was a thought about there's something to take off and there's something to put on. Did you put that on? Cast off, I, I, I've not read it in the version we read it in before, so... My mind's going to a different version, uh, English Standard Version. Cast off the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. It's a picture. But it has a deep meaning. There's a, there's a responsibility on me. There's thoughts I need to put aside. There's other things I need to put my attention on. I have some responsibility here. There's a, there's a scripture in Isaiah 43, 18. Uh, it says, depending on what version you read it again. It says, remember not, in an older version, the former things. Forget the former things. It means stop bringing to mind yesterday's stuff. But see, God says, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? Again, I have a responsibility It doesn't mean I'll never think about those things. It doesn't mean they won't come to mind. But it comes to mind, I I, I don't go that way anymore. I put that aside. But I put my attention on Jesus, on his way. There's a responsibility here. There's some things that God isn't going to flick a switch and change in us if there's no, I want to change. If there's no, I'll hold different things in my attention. Anyway, we've got to move on. So being awake is my responsibility. It's your responsibility. So it's time to wake up. Are you awake? Are you awake? You may be sitting in the room, but are you awake? Are you awake to Jesus Christ and the presence of his Holy Spirit in your life and the eternal things of God that are that are going to keep going even when time has come to an end. Are you awake? I'm going to do a series of messages in a couple of weeks through the seven churches in Revelation. And and one of the constant themes there is who will hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches? I have a responsibility on me according to the Scripture to be one who's been entrusted within the house of God to bring the Word of God, to bring the Word for the season. Now I've got something that says the Word for this season is Who's listening and putting into practice what God is saying? 
who's living out of response to heaven on earth rather than trying to, you know, live from earth to heaven. No, not going any further there now. When I was, when I was a younger man, probably barely a man, uh, I had my first waking up spiritually. How many people can remember that moment when you first woke up in your spirit? Something in you, like, came alive. There was a newness. It was time for me to wake up. I wasn't looking for it. I hadn't planned on it. I knew a lot. I was in church every Sunday. I grew up going to church. It wasn't about new knowledge. It wasn't about a new behavior. At that moment, it was about something between me and the eternal God, and that was it. It was pretty much inspired of church, not because of church, the church I experienced. Nothing particularly wrong with it. It just hadn't brought me there. And some of you may have heard some glimmers of this, but I was at a youth camp, a Christian youth camp. And I knew in my heart that, that I was 19, and I decided in my heart a few years before, this God thing just doesn't seem to fit life. I don't know, I didn't think it through. But I mean, say, God, yeah, we just need to go our own way, sort of, you know, apart from wild. Not that I'd ever really woken up. It was just all head stuff. Uh, I knew a lot of things I should do. Just all seemed too hard and impossible. Anyway, it won't go anymore. At this particular camp, there were some extraordinary things happened that were brand new in my world and anyone else's world I knew, and to do with demonic activity, no more there. And it seems for me it was like God walked into my room, turned on the light, and gave me a shaking. Not my little room, you know, but my life room where I was just dead and asleep to the reality of who God was. Oh, I could have answered many questions. I probably had a reasonably good grasp of basic gospel theology. I've been brought up with it. But it, my spirit was asleep and dead to God. And so it had no power in my life. It had no life in it. And so this, this, these experiences that weren't directly to me but happened in a place that I observed became like to me like, God turning on a light and shaking me, and I felt shaken. And I can remember as a consequence lying there thinking, this is real. This that I'm seeing and experiencing around me is real. It is completely unprecedented in my life. And so that, everything about God that just went to a bunch of ideas just now, so, so this is real, real. It's like a light turned on. I still had to wake I still had to get up. And, and, and it took me quite a battle because my spirit was struggling. This, this is real. And I'm seeing and hearing stuff and I'm thinking, this is weird, but it's real. And this is not God. And this is dark. Oh, it was so dark. There was nothing in it that attracted me. I mean, there's a lot in the world that attracted me, but there's nothing in this that attracted me. And, and something in my spirit said, you just need you need to know God. You need, you need to get to God. And part of me was saying, but, 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 but. You're going to find a lot of buts in your flesh when your spirit wants to wake up. Yeah, you'll have every excuse you need to stay asleep 
and go through the motions of being a nice Christian if that you know, keeps you soothed. You know, like those people, go along, hear the music, hear the songs, feel soothed, feel comfortable, go out, don't change. Still asleep. And so I woke up that night. I came to a point when I said, God, Father, not my will for my life, but your will for me. That was my prayer, my first prayer to God. And uh, it's still my prayer. You know, the, the strange thing I found out is 45 years later, I'm still at the same place in one way. Because, see, God got everything then. There's no more to give. There's been a lot of, you know, like returns to that place. But that, 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 anyway, there's been other forms of growth as well. But you get what I'm saying. I became awake. I knew it. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up to what the Spirit is doing in your heart and in this world. And it's really easy. It can feel impossible. It felt impossible to me. I remember feeling like I, I want to get to God. I remember thinking that I, I, I need to get there. There's no way I want anything to do with this. Like, it is dark and it is scary. You know, we talked that conversation last week about control. We give control to God, but we control the giving of control. And God honors that. And he doesn't take what is not offered. And I'll tell you, the devil will take it all. He will not honor you. And any honor he seems to give you is a total pretense. And so that's dark. But even though my, my, something in me desperately wanted to get there, all I felt like is there was an, like a wall there that I couldn't do anything about. But one short prayer, just a few words that finally I managed to get out of my mouth, and that wall just disappeared. I want to say, if you feel that everything before you about being an alive, awake Christian that's stirring in you is just too hard or impossible, you take that first step and he'll see the wall just chain. Because the gospel is not ever according to what I can bring to the table. It's always by the power of God at work. He got me to the table. When I say yes, he comes alive in me and he wants to lead me on. And uh, that, that was my experience. So I became awake. I became awake. I knew it. And immediately I found myself, I was different. And you know what intrigued me? I'd be in situations and I'd make different decisions. I was like, oh, that was cool. Why did, it, there was a different thing going on in me. Go. They were talking about why did these guys in Rome who had believed and fallen asleep, why, why do believers fall asleep? Why do people like me have an experience of God that causes us to come awake to God, but then somewhere down the line a while later, we, we seems like we have fallen asleep. Or it just seems flat. And, and I'm going to hit two thoughts around that, pretty big thoughts. Uh, one will take a while and one will be, take a little bit. Many believers fall asleep. Because they shift attention from who to what, how, why. If 
from trusting God, and I could put there alone, wholly, completely, to trust in our wits. Our intellect, our engine, our capacity to, to, to know, to figure out. We're trying to figure our faith out so we can live it out. You can't. You'll never get there that way. You'll fall asleep in your spirit if you're trying to figure your faith out so you can live it out. Faith works by hearing and obedience. Understanding does come, but faith works by hearing and putting into practice and living. It's like Holy Spirit comes along and says something to me, and then he says, let's go do it. And so I go with him and we do it. I might stumble as we do it, but he's, he's always pretty good at keeping his feet. It's never about how me trying to be perfect. But that's not an excuse just to be sloppy. You get what I mean? Because it's not about what, it's not about how, it's not about why, it's about who. A person, a relationship with Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And in Jesus, we know his Father. It's about the who. And it never should change. But we've been pretty, pretty, um, we haven't been too good at this over the years. And many times in church, our whole orientation, I've got to put my hand up, I, I understand this from both sides, has been to get people to know the right things, and do the right things, and make the church work well. And we've moved the attention to what you need to do, how you need to do it, and, and we've got better recently putting some wires in there. But we're still appealing to your intellect, to your wits, to you. And we just got to stop it. I know that stuff has a place, but it's right out on the fringes, okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's who. It's who. So I was, I was a believer for a few months and because of some circumstances and the way God had worked in my life and my life circumstances, I was on a fairly upward curve in my workplace and uh, you know, you know, there wasn't anything on the outward part of my life that looked like it wasn't going well. And, and generally I was pretty all right inside. I didn't think life was perfect, but yeah, there wasn't any problems anywhere. So, and so I had a major promotion, like a 30% pay increase starting but I also had this thought that I'm meant to be a preacher. And you know what? Right I just want to stay close to God. I wasn't thinking about anything else. Like, I go to Bible college because I meant God called me to be a preacher. And then someone asked me to preach. No, I can't do that. That's how it was working, you know? It's like, because I wasn't there thinking I could do it. I just think the only way that decision was made purely out of, I think that's God, I'll go. And, and uh, so I left. So, and then we start learning. I'm fairly good at intellectual things. And, and it appeals to the intellect. And, and we started learning the what and the how and the why. And as I said, there's a place, but it's got to keep it on the periphery. And I started losing my faith. I, started, I remember thinking, I'm not even going to get through six months. And I was just like, it was just like that that I had had, someone had turned on the open the drain and it was just running out. And it was just becoming pretty empty. And I uh, started to feel desperate. And I talked to a couple of people, and you know, these old people like me now, and uh, none of them helped me. Uh, 
they just told me more about what, why, and how looking back. But you know, this is I'm studying theology and, and philosophy, and I quite enjoy philosophy, I found. I, yeah, but my spirit's dying. Shifting from the who to the what, why, how, so on. Holding hostage, God hostage to your questions. That means I won't trust you, God, till you've answered my questions. Well, who's God in that story? You are. And you've treated him as a servant. Well, he just doesn't play the game, unfortunately, uh, for you. Or maybe fortunately for you. Because he knows you can never be smart enough to do it all by yourself, to figure it all out. You can't create universes. I can't create universes. I can't even figure out me. I need God every step of the way. So I'm, I'm in this place, and fortunately I just kept reading my Bible every day, and fortunately I wanted God to bring me through this. In 1 Timothy 1.19, in the Living Bible says, cling to your faith in Christ. I remember reading that one morning, and it was like God showed a light. Paul, what you need is simply this, cling to your faith in Christ. Cling to your faith in Christ and do what you know is right. What's right? Trust him. And I prayed that prayer. It's amazing how quickly all the works of the devil around you can dissolve when there's a clear decision to put your trust in Jesus Christ. From the who to the what, how, and why. You know, the devil comes and he appeals to your wits. Appeals to your flesh. He says, you know, you, you could figure this out, you know. You're pretty smart. You, 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 I know you like God. This is Adam and Eve. I know you've got the breath of God in you, and I know you fellowship with God every day, and I know you're living in a garden he created for you, and I know it's all amazing, and I mean, there's nothing that you could imagine that could surpass this, and I know you're getting to be part of the, the leadership here, and you get to make some decisions as well about things, and, and so I know it's all pretty amazing. You didn't put it like that, but that's what it was. They've got the breath of God in them, and they're living with the presence of God around them. I mean, and he says, you could probably manage to do this from eating from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What's he say? You could do it from your wits. You could be like gods or by yourselves. You don't need the breath. You don't need the who. Just you. And it's still the temptation. And he's real subtle for some dedicated Christians he sews it up as like an offering to God. We'll show you how good we are, God will be. You know, and we'll shift our attention from just knowing the who. I've got the breath of God in me, the who, the Holy Spirit. I get to walk through life with the fellowship of Jesus and the Father, the who. And yes, I do grow in learning some what, whys and hows as I go, but they always second to knowing the who. And the devil's always working to shift our attention. We get better and better at recognizing it. And as we do, our faith goes to sleep. Our spirit begins to die. And we've moved from just trusting the who, God, the person, to our wits, to ourselves, 
And when we do that in the church, man, we make a mess. It gets nasty. Isn't it amazing that people can talk all about the love of God, as we said earlier, then go out and be mean to each other? And we've, we have often got to take responsibility. Some of us, like myself, have been leaders. I mean, you know, we've actually tried to, tried to create systems of thinking and practice and doing church and, said, and try to disciple people into them. Instead of just trying to disciple them to Jesus and saying, see how you go, just keep close to the who. I'm hanging around, they've got any questions. And, and there's a bit more to it than that, but not much more. Holy Spirit can disciple you better than any person can, but he will use people. You see the, you know, you see the, the rhythm there, because he, he, he's into community and one another's. He'll put grace, the grace you need sometimes in someone else, and then you've got to walk together and get it off them. Why? Because he wants you to have relationship, but it's still he's the, only, he's the one. He's the one. He's the one. All right, I better move on because of time, but that's a big reason many of us, struggle with staying awake. It's become more concerned about these other things. And unfortunately, sometimes the church leaders have helped us get there. I remember I'll tell one story. I was a young minister at the time, and I was talking to an older minister, who, and we were talking about what are these conference things churches have every year? And in this particular church, they voted for positions on all sorts of boards. And, and I just spent a couple of years on the... Um, National board of this church, little tiny movement of churches in New Zealand. It's sort of internationally connected. So I've been on the, like the, they call it the advisory board. They, they sort of led the whole national leadership team, I suppose you call it. What was I, 27, 28? So, uh, and we're talking about, you know, so there was nominations. Oh, it was a really big deal, really political and, and structured. And we're talking about, you get on these votes and, and God and his leadership and the will of God. You say, well, I just take it that if I'm nominated and I'm voted in that position, it's the will of God for me. I remember hearing that. And I, I walked away. I didn't say it to him. You know, I walked away. No, I couldn't say that for me. There's no one, no organization, no person, no matter how special they are, who interprets the will of God for you. God has not sent them. God has not put them there. There was no mediator between us and God but Jesus Christ. He uses lots of people, as I said before, around us, but not in between us and God. But there is something in our flesh comforting to have a seen person, a seen system, a seen church denomination that we can actually put between us and God to mediate that somehow we feel like, oh God, now I know what to do. We know what I said there. Now I know what to do. And when you start allowing or putting someone in between you and God, you'll fall asleep. And you become one of those he's saying to in Romans, come on, it's time to wake up. Yeah. Anyway, that, that was, I wanted to finish, not finish, but close to the finish. Uh, a bit longer here. Uh, this verse, and a couple of thoughts from it. This is the, 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 talking about the parable of the soils and the third soil. If you don't know it, you'll have to go read it. Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8. And essentially God's, he's sowing the word of God into ground, and, and it's a parable of 
how hearts like yours and mine receive the word of God, how it comes into our lives, and then some of the ways, things that happen. And I picked the third one uh, because I think this is, this is really where those who have believed, who are now sleepy, fit. And so these are people where the seed has been sown among thorns. So the seed is like God's word. And in a sense, Jesus Christ himself is the word of God. They've received something into your life. So you at some point have said, I want to believe this. I received Jesus. Something of God's word. You've grabbed it. You've believed it. You hear that word. You've received that word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So, so the picture is simply this. We've received salvation in Christ, or, or believe that's what we're doing, but we don't trust him with our life. We don't trust him with our whole life. So it's still full of the anxieties and cares and the desires and all those other things that were there before we got saved and also that come from our interaction with this world, with the whys and the whats and the hows and all that. And some of those whys and whats and hows are how to survive, how to get through this time with extra pressure coming on with interest rates cranking up. And, and they're good, they're valid questions. But come on, don't take them into your heart. Don't let them take over the ground that God has in their life and allow him to be part of the way through. In fact, allow him to be a leading part of the way through. Anyway, so if we're holding on to our eternal salvation in Christ. That may be a way it looks for another person. Okay, I've got this thing. I'm right. I'm good for eternity. I'm good. But we don't trust him with our life today and how we're living it out moment by moment and blow by blow and budgeting for our lives and families, all those sorts of questions. And, and we're just asleep. We've got something, but he says it's not growing. It's not working. It's not bearing fruit. Yeah, there's a little bit of wavy growth it says they grow a plant but there's no fruit on the plant and that's another picture to me of i think one of the reasons why some christians just seem to be asleep in this verse and i drew two pictures here's one this is meant to depict that person in the third soil here's me i've got jesus in my heart but you know let's just keep him there don't give him too much space he might mess me up thoroughly. Probably will, but, you know, uh, he'll mess you up in a good way. <laughs> he might tell me to do something I don't want to do, quite likely. Might be some things to put off. Some of them you might want to hang on to, but, but he'll have a really good reason. It's not about what, why, it's about who. Who's saying it? Who's asking you to put it off? What, who's asking you to put something on? Yes, there are some what's and things to do, but focus on the who. I just want to stay close to him. This is getting in the way. Put it off. What we should be looking for is this. Yes, I've received Jesus into my life, but actually when I received Jesus in me, I came into his life. I came into his life. And I'm awake to that relationship. Because that's what we're talking about right now. Being awake to our relationship with the living God through the person of Jesus Christ by the working of the Holy Spirit within us. Being awake 
to our relationship with the living God, the uncreated eternal God, who created all that is created. Being awake to the living God, the one true God, through Jesus Christ, the, the seed that he has given to know him through, by his work, by the working of his spirit within us. We're not talking about, you know, I woke up today and got out of bed, are we? I'm in him. And then he gets to work in me. He gets to work in me. So here we go. Like the verse we uh, started with, we're finishing here. We've got to do a couple of things before we finish, but he said, here it goes. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. Clothe yourself with Jesus. Just trust him. And do not think about how to figure it out by yourself. God's had to help me to just put that word out of my vocabulary. It, it, it's been a, a growth area. A few years ago, I just one short story, and we're going to move on into communion and some worship. And uh, went to Dargaville, I've told the story before, but it's pivotal to me, so it's going to come up again. Uh, and, and I'll keep going, why am I going to Dargaville, God? What am I meant to be doing here? I got past the how am I meant to live here because he'd already sorted out, we just got to trust him because there, there was no contract or employment. But I went to look after a church for a few months and, and God just said to me, I remember praying about this, and he says, why do you need to know? Well, of course I need to know, so then I can do it. <laughs> he says, Anyway, this is what went on to me. There was a moment when I felt I had to say, say this. Do you know I've led you here? I went, yes. And then I hear, why isn't that enough? Here was me. Right there. Tempted. To move from the who. Just trusting the who. Just staying close to the who, Jesus. So what? Why? How? So when I read this, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. And put that experience with that, I'm going to trust the who. I am not going to look to gratify the desires of my flesh to know how, to know why to know what, to figure it out. My flesh really wants that stuff. And sometimes I've just got to say to it, no. No, you, you don't get to have that leadership right in my life anymore. I've given that to Jesus. You hear what I'm saying there? It's not going to be the same for every person in every situation. It's not the same for me in every situation. But you make one decision, one choice, it's a simple, deeply profound choice. It's not a complex, you know, I don't have to get 10 things right and find five keys or do anything like that. No, I live in one choice. I trust Jesus with everything. I trust in whom I know the Father. I trust that his word is true. I trust that what he said will be. And if I have no understanding of why it doesn't seem to be working as I thought it would right now, I trust Jesus with everything. It's one choice. 
Deuteronomy 30, it says, the word is not far from you. Yes, it's up in heaven, but it's also in your heart. And it's waiting for you to wake up and get up and to hear it in your heart and to choose to live it with your life. One choice. How do we wake up? We say yes to God. We choose Jesus. We choose the who. Even when all the other stuff seems really murky, we choose the who. We always choose the who, Jesus. We're coming to communion. Right now, during worship, we just invite you to come up and take of the bread and the juice and remember Jesus that way. It's a choice. Don't do it as a, you know, just a thing. It's a choice. It's like, oh, remember, I've chosen Jesus. He's my who. And I'm remembering that. I'm refreshing that. I'm renewing that. And there may be a little bit, oh, God, I've got a bit messy. I'm going to choose you again. God, I'm waking up. I'm waking up. I'm getting out of bed. I want to walk with you in this world. Last week's message, we walk in the spirit. I don't always have to know. I want to know, but I don't always have to know. What, when, why, how? Because I've got the who. I've got the who. And it's you, Jesus. Father God, I pray you would continue to do your work in our hearts as we just spend some time in worship and remembering you of the communion. I pray for you to do profound work in each of our hearts. Pray for freedoms to come into people. Pray for a, like a fresh well of life to be springing up in heart. I pray people who are sitting in the room with me now will just feel like they've broken into a whole new place of freedom and light. And all it took was that stepping over and trusting the who and letting go of all those what, when, hows, whys, wheres and so forth. Father, thank you for the freedom we have from having to figure it out to be able to walk in a with you by faith alone. Father, bless this time as we worship and share in communion. Amen. Man, just bring the videos up and as this is done, just come on up.